Greetings everybody, it's the All You Can Geek Movie Cast number 416. This week, Jim is out, so I'm taking over the hosting duties, but uh, we still have Tony Korkanakis. Yo. And Mike Sneedy. What's up? And of course, I'm Corey Feinstein. So, uh, with Jim gone here, we all we all went to Comic-Con and stuff, so we're going to get into that a little bit later, but um, I'm going to jump right into the box office, because I am shocked. Literally, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, like... Uh, Venom number one with 80 million opening weekend. I don't think any of us saw this coming at all. Cause no, I don't know where this came from. This came out of nowhere for me. It uh, may it, have you know, came from Comic Con. Everyone was feeling it maybe from this weekend. I actually thought Comic Con was gonna hurt it. <laughs> so, well, uh, people are just, the, 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 the floor is only open till six or seven. I guess <laughs> I just I don't know. They, Maybe it's a better movie than everybody was saying, but like nothing that was coming out of the reviews no, were the good. reviews were definitely bad. Um, I think there might have been like an unintended circumstance where a lot of the reviews said this felt like an older superhero movie. Maybe people wanted that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it yes. could be, but I think I think just on the premise alone of having like you know Venom in his own solo movie for a change. I think there were definitely some people that wanted to see it, regardless of the reviews, at least the initial weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you know, I'm I'm definitely seeing uh, saying it's going to be interesting how it holds up for the second weekend. Like if it if it has a tr- like a huge drop off, like seventy plus percent. I mean, that's that's well, definitely I, not. Yeah, I mean, if it's in the thirties, uh, that's that would be kind of, like thirty five would be where I'd expect it to be naturally. You know, mm-hmm. so who knows. <laughs> But um, just to give you uh, some background here, it smashed, it like destroyed the October opening weekend record, which was Gravity, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that was at 55 million in 2013. Yeah. So we're talking like, you know, obviously $25 million more mm-hmm. than that. And so I don't know where this came from. And again, the the trailers the buzz coming out of this movie was just all all wrong <laughs> it just it did not lead up to what <laughs> this should, yeah. should have the numbers equated to but yeah. um i don't believe any of us even saw it so no. we can't comment no. on it again no. we were at comic-con and uh i wasn't there all like i was there only one day I, mike you were there a couple days and uh, tony you were there the whole entire time but again I, for me i was just thinking i'm you know, I'm there all day, and I'm like, I'm not really looking to go see a movie afterwards. Personally, I was tired. I was like, I'd rather like hang out with you guys and just chill. Um, and so I don't know. Maybe Comic Con. I, I thought it was gonna hurt it, but in any case, maybe it was the maybe it was the Comic Con. Like people oh. were at Comic Con. It's like, oh, I can't be at Comic Con, but I can experience comics <laughs> by seeing Venom. <laughs> I guess. And this like, maybe, is Tom know. Hardy like a draw? Like that's the other thing. I, I well, didn't think so. Maybe a little bit. Some people. Yeah. I'm sure there's some fans of him. Uh, again, like uh, all things are relative. Uh, right. Right. You know, this is a 80 million release. I mean, it's a little By bit. By any standard, this is a good. This is good. I mean. No, no, this is good. I mean, if, out Ant Man. If and, a DC movie released with this, it'd be trashed. But yeah, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Well, it uh, depends on the movie. <laughs> I mean, I think Shazam would be happy to have $80 million. Yeah, it should be. But um, Venom is a, a character people, I think, have missed a little bit. 
he's been pushed aside in the last 20 years or so. I mean, you don't get to 80 million without some word of mouth, though, right? Like, that's... I don't know about that. That's not true. I mean, Solo also debuted, like, a little higher than this, so... Yeah, um, yeah, I guess. uh, It's it's expectations, I think. It's Mm -hmm. expectations. Like, 80 million for a Star Wars movie is bad. Eighty million for a solo Venom non, Spider-Man you know, hashtag. Universe, it's all connected. Yeah. You know, no Spider-Man connection at all. I think that's pretty. I, I've been so down on this movie, and I, I think that's a very impressive opening. Debut. Oh yeah, and not I mean, just that. It, it, also, the budget-wise, like this isn't a huge budget superhero movie like we've been sort of. Yeah, it's still, <laughs> it's still true, like hundred million, but um. The other, it's the other impressive thing is worldwide, it's two hundred five already. Yeah. So that's no, the other I impressive mean, part about it. Yeah, it's um, again, it doesn't fit into what we've had lately in mm-hmm. the superhero spectrum. So maybe that's going for it instead of against it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's number one, uh, Venom. Uh, maybe Jim will have seen it by the time he gets back to uh, the podcast. So we'll hear about it. Um, number two, A Star Is Born. Which is, I think, that Lady Gaga which, movie. Yeah, which is also opened pretty well. Forty yeah. million. The, here's the other the other factors here that make Venom a little more surprising. That this movie, of of course, it's total other side of the spectrum if you want to look at demographics. But <laughs> this movie comes out and does better than normal. And you have that like big UFC fight this weekend and mm-hmm. Comic Con. So there's yeah. lots going on, but Venom still was able to be very. Successful, all things considered. Uh, Smallfoot number three, uh, Night School at number four, and the house with a clock in its walls at number five. So, yeah, that's your box office. Again, good, good on you, Venom. We uh, with this, we're probably gonna get a sequel. I would imagine. But um, in any oh, case, yeah, I, I, I think I think this is enough to warrant a sequel. And if anything, to me, sorry, I, I, this is the last thing we could yeah, definitely sure. go. Got a lot of news to talk about. Uh, but actually, I think this might be more incentive and give Sony confidence that, like, you know what, we don't need Marvel. We can <laughs> we can do it again, boys. You know, and just yeah, be like absolutely not renew. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I, I would like to see maybe the success somehow make them want to actually incorporate it. Mm-hmm. With Spider-Man, yeah, like you said, you were uh, saying, Tony, like that, yeah, could give them the confidence that hey, these characters may be worth bringing into the overall cinematic universe. So, uh, although I don't know if I would way to go with that. <laughs> yeah, although I was like, I don't know if I want these characters specifically. I, I don't mind the character, but like this version of the character, I'm well, not so sure. We'd have to see. I, I mean, a, a Venom that isn't originated from Spider-Man is. It changes the dynamic a bit, but it it could work. But sure. I'd have to see I, this movie. The the critic says it doesn't really work. Yeah, um, and I heard Tom Hardy's actually fairly decent in it, like with his, um, you know, having to play off himself the way Venom works. Mm-hmm. But um, let's get into the news because there's a lot there. So um, much. Obviously, we had Comic Con, so a lot of it came out ahead of Comic Con, during Comic Con, and after Comic Con. Uh, and speaking of like the you know t- solo kind of Star Wars stuff here, we do have news that the Star Wars live action TV show has an official title and details on the story. Um, this is the one from John Favreau, who was you know obviously kind of kickstarted this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe with Iron Man, 
And um, his new TV show for the Star Wars universe is Mandalorian, which, if you don't know, that's what Boba Fett was, was a Mandalorian. So my assumptions are we're going to be getting, you know, a little more backstory on the Mandalorian people and culture, I guess, right? I didn't actually get to see what the full details of this was. Did you guys look at it? No. I did not. All right. Well, I mean, there was like a picture, I think, um, of guy in... The, yeah, no, I mean, I, I did armor. see the picture. I mean, the, the armor looks good, everyone. See, I don't understand. Uh, again, like, you say this is what Boba Fett was. Probably not originally. <laughs> this is, the, like, an added backstory to, like, his, like, armor, pretty much, and where it came from. Well, his uh, father. A long time. His, his father is, uh... What, a Mandalorian. Is a Mandalorian. You know, but I thought he was one of the, like clone warriors well i mean you had to clone it from a real person somebody so oh yeah but he was the what whatever i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean i guess you can finally make boba fett's backstory like matter a little more i think it's not necessarily like boba fett's backstory here it's just the mandalorians in general i think they're an interesting you know culture and they have interesting culture and interesting they, there's some i know i know nothing theory. about them all i know is that it's the armor that boba fett wears right well <laughs> and that's that's the point here is you're, you're banking on that you see that armor and you see that helmet and you're gonna want to check it out because of i mean because of boba fett you're not checking it out because of Django fett Django fett has more importance in his movie than boba fett did i'm not talking about importance. i'm talking about popularity <laughs> yeah i know but I don't know. I don't, all the Fets, I feel like, are extremely overrated characters. I mean, <laughs> potentially. I'm curious about it. Like, they they did some interesting stuff with the Rebels characters and uh, the Mandalorian. So we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping for good things. We don't know. I mean, who knows? But um, speaking of, you know, hoping for good things, DC Universe's Titans TV show has already been renewed for season two. Uh, so we're going to get more. Good. It's a lot of balls. It's the thing. I was like hoping, like, are we hoping? (laughs) Like, like, so we haven't even seen it yet. So, like, we can't um, really say for sure. But again, same thing with Venom. Nothing out of this that I've seen has been promising or good. Have you seen any reviews for it yet? I've not seen reviews. I've heard impressions of it. I've seen a review which was like, I gave it like a 7 7, which was higher than I expected. But then again, it's IGN, so who knows? They're not good at reviewing, like, TV and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah. I can't get over the fact that um, Starfire is dressed like a hooker, basically. <laughs> I can't get over the fact that Dick Grayson Robin is like a murdering like emo kid, and and then like the actor went on to explain, he's like, well, uh, Batman's a killer. Like this is he's upset because Batman kills everyone. It's like, all right, well, fuck this, and <laughs> I'm not watching this. Stupid. Because, yeah. like, like to me, that's oh, like that's right. weird. That's weird. No, but I mean, like, if it's to the point where someone else is his sidekick and like kills people, but he thinks it's less than what he does, it's different than like sort of like the sort of like manslaughtery things that happen. Like people get killed when trying to kill Batman is like one thing, but like, and that's kind of how I saw most of it in uh, the movies, even though I didn't love it that aspect. 
but to have it be like such like a character like like this is what he does thing the way he described it it's like all right we'll have a superman movie where he can't fly like that's almost as like i don't know essential to the character to me at this point Mm. so well, staying on the DC like train here in DC Universe, because this is DC Universe is their streaming service, if you didn't know, but they also have uh, comics and things like that, which is an added feature or f- added bonus for the subscription service. Uh, they have a DC or they have a Harley Quinn animated show coming, and um, the girl that's in uh, that really popular nerd show, Big Bang, Big Bang Theory, yes, she is going to be voicing Harley Quinn uh, in this new animated show. So, well, that. I mean, she needs something else to do, I guess, soon. Sure. It's funny because she's the second actress from the Big from Bang Theory yeah. yeah. to voice Harley Quinn. And yes. no one really liked the last one to do no, it, even though her voice sort of more naturally goes with it. Yeah, I thought it – I mean, I didn't – I don't think I saw the whole thing, but I saw clips, and I was like, it didn't sound like the – at least the what I have heard. It you saw seem... clips, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I know. You, that's the one where like she like rapes Nightwing or something. Uh, or? I mean, he's Whatever. still a willing participant, but it wasn't. Uh, it's just weird. It's just a weird thing. <laughs> if it but, was, if it was, if if the role, if the genders were reversed, would it have been rape? Yes. <laughs> okay. There, <laughs> then <laughs> it's rape. He could rape. It's it's both ways. It goes both ways. No, sure, but sure, but that's again, not the focus. Let's... But again, like. I, he he was still going with it. Like he, he could have yeah. stopped at any time. But anyway, uh, with this show, um, I mean, with her, this character, I should say, it's she's probably top five most popular character in DC in general. But right How now, about like two? I mean, probably. <laughs> I, I would say she's actually. I would say the trifecta now uh, is probably you know Superman, Batman, and Harley Quinn. I think Harley Quinn's way more popular than even Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I would she say is. she's too. I say I would say mm-hmm. Batman, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman at the moment. Yeah. Superman, no one cares about him anymore. Well, I, I think there's still a lot of older people that like Superman. Right. I mean, in the people want to like Superman, but in the comics, like, no one has liked what how he's been lately. So it's just the cinematic take on him has just been very poorly executed so it's like hurt his popularity but as far as like sales and stuff Harley, anything you touch harley quinn anything it's gonna do fantastic so yeah. i mean if you're gonna have a dc like streaming service you have to have harley quinn on there in some capacity yeah. i guess the only the only thing i was gonna um ask you guys is uh because this character was created on a tv show and we like her voice is kind of iconic to me it's like it's hard to take that voice out of her and give it to like even with the live action Harley Quinn, which I think well, Margot Robbie did a fantastic job, or Robbie, but still, like the voice to me is what really kind of gives her her character. How do you guys feel about like these people taking yeah, doing their own take? I, right? I agree, but I think pretty much every performance of her is going to be an, an imitation of that voice. Like yeah, we I have, mean, we've had the whole Tara Strong takeover mm-hmm. for now. She's a professional she a voice good, actress who right, and I actually, actually got better as she went on to do do the same Arlene Sorkin voice and then like it's almost indistinguishable after she did it for a little bit everyone else it might be a little bit more of an adjustment but I don't know if it matters as long as they get close hmm. yeah. yeah I mean the whole thing is like to me Kevin um, Conroy, Conroy was, yeah, yeah He's Batman, was like the definitive bat. he's always my bat whenever I read a Batman comic whenever you know I see a picture of Batman you know the uh, obviously the argument is either but like that's, you know, to me, voice like his voice and stuff right. like that. 
But, you know, the thing is, there have been other actors who have done good jobs, um, and, you know, just kind of like um, uh, with Optimus Prime, like, there, there have been other guys um, uh, that voice Optimus Prime, even though, like, the original is still, like, you know, my Optimus Prime. Right. So it's like, they do good jobs, and, you know, some of them, I, I think, fit the incarnations a little bit better, because, uh, you know, just... Not all primes are built the same. Not all Batmans are built the same. So mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I, I accepted it. I got over it, you know. Um, so if I got over it with Batman and Optimus Prime, I can certainly get over it with Harley Quinn. I do think it's a little different, though, because, like, you can't, like, necessarily do a Kevin Conroy impersonation if that's not your voice or the, that's not the take. Like, there's different takes on, like, the Batman voice, I think. I think there's really like one sort of take you can do on Harley Quinn, and it's got to be that sort of exaggerated, like Brooklyn-y accent, and uh, you know, with a little uh, del- delirium to it that she's always had. So uh, we have seen only one take on her voice. I don't know if we would get a different take. I kind of think we won't. It'll be everyone trying to do the same thing, and it's it's fine with me, honestly, as long as they are pretty good at it if not then maybe they should do a different take i kind of i'm with you there mike i think if it sounds natural not forced as in like i'm trying to be the animated series harley quinn i think that it could work but uh it is tough for me to kind of separate that because when you see when i see harley quinn in comics and things like that that's the voice i bring in just like i bring in kevin uh, Kevin conroy's voice for batman for the most part that's how they write it out if they write (laughs) phonetically it's all mr ahj sure mr j (laughs) (laughs) obviously i can't do it but yeah so i think we have more harley quinn news actually right (laughs) yeah no i mean this is the big one it's kind of broke today kind of uh, yeah pretty much breaking news um and that is that james gunn is being tapped to write and possibly direct a, a sequel to the Suicide Squad movie, which um, in, this is the live action with Will Smith and Margot Robbie that we just... I keep saying Robbie, but it's Robbie, right? Margot Robbie. And, uh, Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a natural fit to go yeah. from... What like, I was, to what yeah. like I was telling yeah. you, Corey, like, uh, Suicide Squad felt exactly like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 just on Earth. It's like, oh, look, these people that are forced into a circumstance together and they act like they hate each other, but, you know, wind up saving the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a similar story concept, just executed in way different ways. So, yeah, yeah um, it's, so we've, we know what his pedigree is, uh, James Gunn, and obviously, which you mentioned, he did, if, if you don't know and live under a rock, he directed the and wrote the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and uh, kind of gave voices to these characters, um, and really did a great job of pulling characters that have no business being like a team and making it work, uh, especially with characters that have no business being like characters, <laughs> like a tree and a, and a raccoon. Uh, so yeah, they. Um, is this is this officially official, or is it just a rumor that he's writing it? Mm, that's a good question. Um, oh, he's just confirmed. He's confirmed. So he's definitely going to write it. Uh, well, in discussions to write, and to, it would, and to obviously, if he's going to write it, I'm assuming he would direct it. And this is only um, for me. This is only good because I definitely well, like his take on on characters, and I would like to see what he would do with this these characters yeah. that have already been established. So the other thing is interesting, real quick, is that. Um, 
apparently it's not going to be a sequel, but a new take on Suicide Squad. Okay. So it's unclear whether that means like recasting or you know just like I don't know new how you get people. Re- See, like, I don't know either. I don't well, know. Well, like, not, I mean, I think I that Will Smith and Margot uh, Robbie are kind of like guaranteed yeah the ones like if you say suicide squad those are the two actors you want uh, in your movie because yeah of their popularity their their star power and the fact that they actually did a good job in the movie right so you can't take anything for granted though in this universe now and like we have now that they like joker so we still don't know if you know there's a superman or batman in this universe anymore so why why would you think that even in a well-received uh, box office-wise, but not critically, uh, movie that those actors would come back. So, if you don't well, know. Well, you're going to have um, Harley Quinn in another movie before this, I think. So, it would make sense to keep keep rolling with it if that's successful. With these actors, at least. <laughs> or if it isn't, then no. <laughs> and then you and just the other do interesting thing is things. that um, uh, Dave Bautista has already expressed interest in uh, playing a character in this Potential Suicide Squad two or whatever, um, which you know, yeah, not I mean, surprising. I'd, Again, not surprising if you've yeah, uh, kept up follow, with any of the dude. Follow him along. <laughs> yeah, if I, I mean, if I was him too, I'd be like, yeah, wherever you're doing, man, just let me know. I'll be there for you. Like, uh, I think this is where like I'm gonna draw the line with him a little bit. That there's loyalty, and then there's just like not being your own person. Like, I think it's a little weird to like follow him along into whatever he does next, like that. But they're family, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what? what's that guy? The the Parkman guy from uh, Heroes. He's in every J.J. Abrams film ever. Yeah. yeah I, I know, but this seems like a bit much in this situation now. I don't know. Why? I understood why he would like just like Christopher him, Nolan has up. his same crew. No, I, like... I know that, but I mean, like, you're literally like jumping ship, like because of this. I don't know. It's strange, but we'll see. It's. I mean, still, it's a, it's a business at the same time. Like, you I know, don't do I know. For your career, like Leonardo DiCaprio's in a ton of Martin yeah, Scorsese yeah. movies. Yeah. Now, I mean, outside of this, the the thing is to me is I think this is potentially the biggest get for the uh, DCEU uh, because I mean, again, uh, James Gunn was next in line to be like the next Kevin Feige over the Marvel, you know, uh, studios with like him being a, supposedly going to be involved with, like, the post-Phase 3 stuff and, mm-hmm. like, setting up the next 10 years of, of the Marvel stuff. Well, what he's yeah, done with he... Guardians is set up a... He's right. basically set that whole cosmic stuff up oh, yeah. for yep. Marvel to kind of propel themselves into the future. And, yeah, he kind of orchestrated that whole thing. And he yep. actually did a lot of work on other movies as well that we... Yeah, like the Avengers in mm-hmm. Infinity War. Yeah. I mean, uh, the movie was better because of, you know, his input and stuff like that. Um so this is, in my opinion, the biggest get that the DCEU could have possibly had because, uh, obviously, if he pays attention to the the characters and their source material and stuff like that, there's no, you know, question for me that he could use that same magic on, you know, Suicide Squad two characters. Like, can you imagine this movie in like two, three years, whenever this movie comes out? Like, we're like, yeah, this is the best uh, DCEU movie out of all of them. Like. Just you know, it has like the characters, it has yeah. the pl- the story, like you know the the emotional heartbeats, the the comedy. Like I, I can see that happening easily. And if he translates that into like an overseer role, I mean, this could be the thing that brings DCU back on the you know the map. Rescue yeah, absolutely, thing. and because he has the experience uh, being in that world, you know, uh, you know, with the 
uh, future setting, you know, movies and the characters and plot lines, getting that all together to work as um, as a cohesive thing. Where right now it's kind of like, well, let's throw this character in, we'll throw that character in, and people like this guy, so we'll put him in. It's like right now, there's definitely. Like, yeah, he's, definitely in like panic mode, but right. um, but I mean, again, he, he has a way of he has a good vision, I think, for this type of thing, and so like you're saying, if this is if they put him in a position to kind of orchestrate the next phase in the DC cinematic universe, then I think that they're in good they're in a good spot going Absolutely. forward. Absolutely, I and, hope so. Yeah. But and, the only thing, only pause I would have is we all kind of thought the same thing with Joss Whedon too, and that didn't. Well, work they didn't. Out. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Joss did a lot of the groundwork, and he just got burnt out. I mean, uh, he did Avengers 1, and he burnt out on Avengers 2. No, no, but I mean when DC took him in. Oh, 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 oh I see what you're saying. To, but, like, redo yeah. Justice League. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah, <sighs> but the thing is, that was, you know, the movie was mostly, if not all, complete, and he had to, you know. He didn't, yeah, he didn't write that movie. He didn't get to put, it wasn't his movie. He had basically given a movie it, and then said, here, seems, make it something more. Than it is, but it seems like the majority of what we got is what he shot over because <laughs> all we got was a short movie well, with a lot really, of Unfortunately, we have no idea. That's the problem. And like since then, we really don't. We haven't heard much about what he was doing or anything like that. I mean, so, it, it kind of ruined his reputation too a little bit. Maybe. I think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, you can just League was a failure, so. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the, the DC stuff we've got going on. There is one more thing though that we gotta mention with Mike here. You don't need to mention this. This is a non-story. It's a, it's a non-story. What do you expect professional actors to say when they're asked? Well, a let's just like... let's just get into a little bit of what we've been up to as far as um, Comic Con goes, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so we there was a David Boreanaz panel, Mike, that you were at. Yes, right. and I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll talk to you about it briefly, and I'll get to this story for you guys. But so it's this panel, and this was one of the like least comic booky panels at Comic Con I have this ever is seen. Up to the story, this isn't even the story that I'm referencing. Yeah, I know. Leading up to this. Yeah, but um, so David Borean is there, and he's mostly there to promote his new Seal show, Team Seal or Team or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which he's already had one season, and I mean that's all well and good. So there's a lot of, like, it's like a network show, so you got a lot of older women who are big fans of him there. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where he's been in the, the last, like, 12 years or something. So there was that, and then there's, like, the more comic booky crowd who remember him from Buffy and Angel. And uh, so they do some real, some terrible interviewer gave him some real fluff questions, mostly about him taking his shirt off. And then... Um, <laughs> And then, uh, you know, he did get into his past a little bit. He talked about it. But then at the end, people asked questions, and there were they didn't have time for too many. But one person asked uh, what he thought about the reboot. And, uh, of course, everyone, as soon as the reboot is brought up, everyone in the like building or the room starts booing. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, come on, guys. Don't be like that. You know, uh, yeah. You don't need to go back. Like, uh, I can share the character with someone else. Or basically, it, he says, you know, what you would expect a professional actor in their 40s to say. <laughs> I don't, so, and then, of course, the story is Sarah Michelle Geller's like, oh, yeah, I back that up. Sure, I'm with David. I mean, again, I don't know what this means. They're not going to be like a fan of the show and say, 
oh, I don't want to see this happen because that's unprofessional. They're actors. So, but that's the story. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, so um, both uh, Angel and Buffy agree that this is a good thing, essentially. <laughs> That's not what that <laughs> means. <laughs> hey, well, in any case, I think it'll be interesting to see in the future. Um, but yeah, so that is that is uh, mostly the news. There's, like, I guess Narnia is coming to Netflix as well, but um, who knows when that will actually happen, and we'll see. There's been a lot of Narnia incarna- incarnations, so... We'll get another one here. But, uh, yeah, so, Mike, what else um, have you been doing at Comic-Con there? Uh, we'll just get um, into this Comic-Con now. Um, so, uh, yeah, Comic-Con was cool. I was there for Thursday, Friday. Um, that was the first thing we did, actually. And it was a decent panel. Uh, David himself, he was rambunctious. If He didn't tell me. I Like, I knew a lot of what he said in his stories, but it was cool. I did like that he... Um, he finally did talk about how he was proud that he got his own spinoff because Angel just doesn't get respect amongst the, even like his shows or like you can find shirts about Buffy and then it goes to Firefly, which had one season, like no mention of Angel anywhere. But, you know, he, he was proud of it and I'm glad he was. He talked about how he was happy to be that, be the character, like, and actually get lines on his own show and Not just monolo- be a piece of meat. And, yeah, and monologue here and there, especially when he turned evil, which was his favorite parts because he's a little more energetic as a person in real life. Um, so it was a good panel, and I was happy I, I got there in time to see it. And uh, he looks decent for a guy in his late 40s now, too. So um, you could hold up a little, little bit of that Disney magic. He could be Angel again. <laughs> but... Um, Honestly, if I and if I had, was able to ask him a question, I would have said, "Okay, but how about voice acting? <laughs> Reprise the role there." I think he would do it. But anyway, um, so that was cool. Uh, the floor was hectic but fun, as usual. Uh, I have to, to say, because um, I only got to go on Thursday, and I went specifically Thursday because I knew that I, I was only going to have one day, and if I was going to go one day, I'd go on the day that was probably going to be the slowest day, mm-hmm. but. Um, it was actually a lot busier than I expected it to be, based off of the mm-hmm. things that you had mentioned last year, Tony. And yeah, so like I, I mean, was like, oh wow, this is actually pretty full, and I and that's good. I mean, that's it's getting huge. It needs to be able to get spread out like that. But yeah, I was more more surprised by the fact that it was as yeah, crowded between, as it was. Between Thursday and Friday, I didn't really see a big difference in like mm. in like busyness, but I did see a big difference in how many people were there just to cosplay which was more on Friday than Thursday. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there was a little more room, I suppose, Thursday, but it wasn't u- a huge difference, I felt like. But it, it was good. I um, saw a little bit of... There was a Boy Meets World live stage thing, which uh, was funny. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they had um, some Power Ranger guys. The guy, Tommy, Green Ranger, he was there He's talking there about there every year. He's always yeah. there. <laughs> That's uh, his like, yearly thing. that you, you, You're guaranteed that... Um, <clears throat> Jason David Frank? Yeah. Yeah, Jason David Frank, yep. He's going to um, be there. And then uh, the wrestlers, like, they really need to not – I mean, it's real cool that they have, like – wrestlers are, like, somewhat pretty big celebrities, and they have them crammed against the wall. And they this is this like, third time I think I saw them like this. Uh, uh, the headlocked booth, they call it. Um, they had Sting there, who is kind of a huge deal for people, especially who watched, like, 20 years ago. 
he was there <laughs> along with uh you know christian and some other people from like you know uh lita and trish you know bigger names from like 10 years ago but who also so, don't wrestle anymore no yeah no one cares about the current cast at least i don't but <laughs> um <laughs> So there was a pretty big line for them, but there's cramped in the side, uh, like the far left, and they have to intersect with like the aisle of anyone walking down. I don't know why they have that set up like that. It's pretty silly, but uh, it was cool, I guess, for people who didn't want to. Yeah, pay it was kind of weird that rides. they um, they had the that booth with the celebrity, you know, wrestling celebrities, right there on the floor where like almost everything else was separated separated like yeah i guess signings they pictures the and stuff wrestlers was... can take care of themselves i don't know <laughs> yeah it's, it was kind of weird tony what about you um you know just speaking on the movie side of things did you get to check out any panels or anything like that uh let's see no it was a uh, very panel light for me this year just because i don't know I fell off of the walking dead pa- uh train mm. um Daredevil, I was going to see no matter what, and I just didn't feel like um, waiting in line in the morning and then waiting in line, you know, uh, yeah. again later, later on in the day. Um, you know, I just learned to try to maximize my experience time. Um, but the one panel I did want and actually go to was the Voltron panel on Friday, just because um, ever since, you know, they announced the show that DreamWorks was like, hey, we're going to do a, we're teaming up with Netflix to do a Voltron cartoon. I was like, uh, like, you know, kind of old man, there goes my childhood kind of thing. Uh, kind of grumpy, like, skeptical. I would say skeptical at best. Um, and then the show came out, and it was fantastic. Uh, the first season was, like, way above my expectations. And they're like, hey, we're coming to New York Comic Con. I was like, all right, shit, got to go to these. And then I just started going to every single one of them. And this, because we're coming up on the last season, I was like, well, I have to be, I have to go to this last, you know, New York Comic Con panel for it. Um, and it was awesome. Uh, it was actually off-site at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Okay. Um, and, you know, just like you were saying, Corey, like, the convention keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're hosting so many things off-site. I don't even if, know if you know this, but they actually have um, a uh, anime fest going yeah, on. anime fest same, at New York Comic Con. I saw at that. At New York yeah. Comic Con. And it's completely off-site. And I think it's just to draw, like, people, you know, out, <laughs> out there off location and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so it was crazy. Um, really good panel. Um, the, the creators showed up. Some of the voice actors showed up. Uh, they expressed their gratitude um, to the fans uh, for you know making the show so popular and above even what they expected, and you know did successful for them. So you know they're going to be able to you know keep the lights on and do even more ambitious projects in the future. Which you know uh, I'll definitely be on board. Um, and that though it was a lot of walking around, a lot of um, <clears throat> just meeting people, seeing people. Uh, Mm-hmm. A lot of exclusives. This year, I just managed to stumble through a lot of exclusive stuff, nice. which is good. Um, you know, got some of the figures and whatnot. Um, my most interesting story, probably, of the convention was Saturday morning. I know you had mentioned to me, you're like, oh, the slot, uh, Scott Campbell has a, a booth here uh, with, like, you know, uh, some exclusive Spider-Man comic variants uh, for the Renew Your Vow thing, I guess, or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And you're like, there's only, like, a thousand made or whatever. And I didn't think about it until Saturday, and I was literally just walking by, and I saw, oh, I was like, hey, maybe he, has to, he still has some in. So I go up, and I ask, uh, and he's like, hey, yeah, here you go. Uh, we're only selling it in, like, a three-pack, uh, so it was a bit more expensive. Uh, but I was like, hey, whatever. They only made a 1,000 of each of these, so, you know, it's, that's fine. So, you know, 
what about my day? And then later on in the afternoon when I wanted to take a break, and, you know, for people who haven't been there, this is the Javits Center, um, you know, three floors. It, and it, during Saturday especially, it's just packed from corner to corner. Um, you have to fight even for floor space nuts to just to sit ass, down. Nuts to ass, basically. Yeah, nuts to ass. Like ceiling <laughs> to wall, like, or ceiling to floor. It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, in the cafeteria area, like, I, I, you know, you just get so desperate that you even go up to complete strangers and be like, hey, is that seat open? Can I just, like, sit down? You know, so I saw this girl that was just a small table. She was alone. She had one extra chair. So I was like, hey, are you saving this for anybody? Or is anybody sitting here? If not, do you mind if I sit down and just, like, rest for a couple minutes while I, you know, charge my phone and uh, take a drink and eat a snack? She's like, no, 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 go ahead. So I sit down. We're just both on our phones. And, uh, you know, eventually I look up and I see that, you know, she has a lot of artist supplies on the counter or the table. So I'm like... Oh, excuse me, if you don't mind me asking, uh, are you an artist? I see a lot of these supplies. I know it's a silly question to ask, but, uh, you know, just just curious. She's like, yeah, actually, I am. I'm not working a booth or anything. Uh, I'm here with my husband who has a booth, uh, but I am an artist, uh, you know, and I'm just, you know, working on, on Inktober or something like that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. So we just struck up a conversation and started talking about it, and eventually, you know, she revealed, like, oh, you know, I'm actually more into, like, the Japanese stuff. And I'm like, I'm your boy. Like, let's talk. Japanese anime and manga, all that stuff. And we nerded out over, you know, common shows that we liked, this and the other thing. Um, and, you know, what wound up sh- that I only expected to be like five minutes, ten minutes at most, wound up to be like at least like 30, 45 minutes just like going back and forth and talking about like, everything. She even like, you know, we were talking about jobs and stuff, and she had mentioned like her and her husband just recently moved out to Denver. I was like, oh, that's where our world headquarters of my company is. She's like, oh, that's awesome. This and the other thing. Yeah, so uh, wrapping the story, she's like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'll let you get going. I got to get to something else anyway. She's like, all right, well, you know, here's my Instagram information. If you're ever in Denver, you know, let me know. My, my husband and I will have you over for dinner. I'll take you out, something or other. Wow, nice. Like, yeah, great. So, you know, take a take a picture with her, this, that, and the other thing. Go on my merry way. Later on in the day, I'm waiting in another line. And I'm just like, oh, I'll just take her Instagram. I want to check out her art, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just scrolling through. And she did this one drawing of when she got married to her husband about them and their, like, you know, uh, tux and wedding dress. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. And then she tagged her husband, and I look at it, and it's J. Scott Cam. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? And I tap on it because, you know, it's linked, it's added. And sure enough, it's his profile. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what? Like, I stood there, and I was just so confused. Like, I was like, what are the chances? I mean, granted, it's New York Comic Con, but tens of thousands of people attend this convention. So the probability of me like going to her husband buying comics from him in the morning and then meeting her his wife later on in the afternoon just through like i don't know serendipity or whatever you want to call it is just like really weird to me and i was just like huh okay like that's that's kind of cool so yeah yeah no like you told me that i was like wow that's like (laughs) really that's so crazy because again like you're saying uh you, this convention has hundreds, hundreds, maybe tens of thousands of people, like almost, like almost a hundred thousand people, yeah. that come to this, like that go in and out of it, and the chance of you sitting down at the exact same time as someone who, like, not necessarily, like, sure, you might meet somebody that's, uh, you know, be list celebrity or whatever, but you just bought these comics, and then you're sitting down next to the, the wife is just, uh, is hilarious, and you not even knowing it until like uh-huh. much later. Nope, that's yep. just, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, so for for me, I um I actually got the one of my like heroes in the comic book world, and that was uh, Jim Lee. So for this comic con, they had a um they they what they did is like you signed up, bought your badges, 
and uh, then you had a opportunity to enter a lottery for certain things. And I think you won a couple lotteries that you entered in Tony mm-hmm. and uh, and I saw that Jim Lee was one of these options. I'm like, well, of course I'm gonna do that. And really, that was the only thing that I kind of wanted, really, like really hoping for. And um, and I, I I got it. So I was like, this is amazing. Oh my, I can't believe it. I, I actually got it. So uh was able to go see him on thursday because it turned out to be on the same day that i you know i was there the only day i was there too which was really awesome so i got to bring a couple of my um you know treasured jim lee comics and had him sign it got to you know shake his hand meet him and just a really great guy awesome very humble you know as far as like his celebrity probably in the uh, artist world is like one of the best i'd say Uh, yeah he's like uh the, the like standard for like good modern well now it's a little i know his i mean the thing is with him is his style's not changed too much but it's grown and like Mm. like just matured i'd say uh but from back even like (laughs) you know his 90s x-men stuff is just amazing and uh you know seeing that compared to what he's doing now with batman or with the dc variants and stuff because he did the variant for the batman damned (laughs) comic by the way uh but uh (laughs) Yeah, so no, but, it's just, it's, yeah, he's just like his style, like is probably I think, in my opinion, the perfect combination of like you know bright and flashy and like exaggerated, but still like mm-hmm. realistic and detailed. Like mm-hmm. I think his his like the little like slice of in between that is what he grabs the best. I think of any artist out there. Sure. Yeah, and like it's everything that he um, the panels that he kind of like lays it out is just very easy to understand and like follow along without even like reading the text i think that he does a good job of s- telling a story without even you know using the words on the paper as well and just framing things so um yeah that was really really awesome um after that i kind of just walked walked the floor just basically wanted to enjoy as much of comic-con without sitting down in panels because really thursday there wasn't anything that i really wanted to go see and be not stuck obviously because you go in there to enjoy the thing that you're doing but i didn't necessarily care to go to any of the panels uh that were there on thursday so i just got to enjoy the floor and kind of see everything and i actually got to i got to grab a few exclusives as well because they some of them were selling out like super quick there was no way you were getting them unless you planned for it specifically that's what the first thing you were like beelining for but um there were a couple still that were around so i was glad i got a couple of those uh figures and stuff but um yeah it was just really cool definitely Thursday is the way to go if you're going to do one day. Maybe Friday if you want to see more cosplay, like you were saying, Mike. But um, I definitely plan on, you know, doing Thursday again. And my assumption is going to be like just even more, you know, busy and um, you know, again, have more stuff off-site even on Thursdays because I was pretty shocked by that. So yeah, that's that's our Comic Con experience. Was there anything else you wanted to mention in this podcast? We do have a gaming podcast that we're going to be um, talking more of the gaming side of stuff. So. Um, You'll definitely check that out. But uh, other than that, was there anything else you, you wanted to mention, Mike? Uh, yeah. I mean, my biggest moment was on the way there when I saw uh, Iron <laughs> Judge in yeah. Penn Station. Uh, it's pretty funny. But uh, right now, it's up to him or else that's the end of this season. But that's not really about this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tony? Uh, yeah, I just want to say... Um, you know, uh, this year uh, was was great overall. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, if people have listened to our previous podcast, but I, I feel like New York Comic Con and you know Reed Pop in particular 
uh, do a great job of really listening to people because um, uh, some of the feedback you know I gave in previous years, uh, not saying they listened to me or pick particularly, but I think they were pretty common uh, criticisms or complaints or whatever like that. They've um, really rehauled a lot of the sections. I mean, the lottery stuff that you, you had mentioned, that is awesome because, you know, uh, you can – there was over half of all these, like, whatever, signings or uh, mm-hmm. panels or whatever, and you can get it in through a lottery. And if you get it in through a lottery, great. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to dedicate one to two to three hours of your time uh, waiting for it. Uh, and if you don't get it, then you know, then you, you do have to, but at least it gives you a chance. Um and it's yeah, because the early, fans. Like, like, uh, yeah, it's a great, great point. Twenty, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but like I remember no, okay. going to Comic Con prior to this, and then uh, having to wait in line in the morning to get the option to wait in line later in the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like waiting in line twice to see something. So that's yeah, that's when I decided really like it needs to be like a huge thing for me to want to go to a panel <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah, but um, so you know, for the lottery thing, that's great. Um. And the other good thing is uh, this this year, uh, instead of having you wrap around the building, they have the queue halls now where you just go in and you can either go and wait in line for whatever panel you want to see. Like the, the major main main theater panels uh, have shoots for every one or you go into the showroom floor. So I think it does a good job of filtering those people in because a lot of people are like there for the, the exclusives, like the Funko Pops and the figures, the comics and stuff like that. Stuff you want to see panels. And... Honestly, it seemed to me that if you got there at a reasonable time, like I think I walked in there on uh, like eight thirty on a Saturday, and I could have gotten to anything I, I wanted uh, mm-hmm. panel-wise, um, and it, it would have been fine. So uh, whatever they're doing, it's working. I think they cut down on the scalping a lot. With um, you know, I know a lot of people were hesitant or you know grumbly about the fan verification thing, but I think it's done nothing but wonders uh, for scalpers mm-hmm. in terms of like people who actually want to be there at the show. And stuff like that. So, um, fantastic job. Uh, I just hope you know the Javits Center can keep uh, growing and well, improving. They are expanding uh, on it. Yeah, so. yeah. Just well. hopefully sooner rather than later. Because um, yeah, New York Comic Con is definitely one of my favorite conventions. Now, so absolutely. And I did. I can't believe I forgot to mention this. I got to meet Sean Murphy, the artist who uh, drew Batman and wrote Batman uh, White Knight, which is probably like my top three favorite Batman stories of all time. Uh, so that was really cool because we just went down to the artist alley like out of I was like ah let's go to the artist alley I haven't actually been there today, and uh, it was really cool he was at has he was at his booth and uh, so we got I got to take a picture and stuff with him so that was really cool but um, yeah that should do it guys remember you can uh, write us at podcast at allyoucangeek.net. Check us out on Facebook. We do have a YouTube channel, which uh, when Jim's not on, we don't usually put our posts there. So, But uh, check that out. We won't have a video this time. Um, but again, definitely check us out there and follow us on Twitter for any, you know, for when the podcast comes out. And again, just you know, hit us up with anything. If you had you know, experiences at um, Comic-Con you want to share with us, we'd love to hear about it. All right. Take care, guys.